0: Now, this morning we're in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, we're going to take a look at the the whole chapter of Acts chapter 11. How many of you have been watching the Olympics, seen bits and pieces of it? It's a, I think it's a bit hit and miss with people this year, it's a it's a weird one. Um, we watched the, the opening ceremony the other night, at least part of the opening ceremony. The girls got all caught up in watching the, the parade of nations and seeing how everyone was dressed in the different places and trying to figure out where that country was and uh, what, what it was like. Um, and it's, it's interesting that the whole concept, right, or at least what we're projected about the Olympics is uh, built around this idea of, of national identity. You go to the Olympics, you represent your, your country in, in the Olympics and, and do your best there. And you know, as we watch the parade of nations there, you know the dress and the things that come in they usually represent something about their their country, some sort of tradition, or something to say this is who we are as as a people. This is this is Australia, and this is what we we look like, or Japan, or whatever. And there's something that shows to us a little bit about their heritage, about their culture. Um, you know the the, the games progress. You see people uh, waving their flags around and and uh, speaking about their things, their emblem and a very at least in part a nationalistic idea around it. Uh, you know we often hear talk about the Olympics being about unity, unifies everyone, and that's always uh, a bit because it talks about unity, really what we want is we want to be the Nations. And so it's not really about unity. That's what we all get together so to we can do sport. But it's about, you know, tied very much to the Olympic movement is this identity it's and the ourselves we see or what we choose to represent us and who we we are you're trying So that's the paper. You know, we thought about what our identity was. We're not just homes. And so it chances so that it represents who our identity. So we are. So we're in Australia, we this island with people around the edge and a big rock on the And we have all these different ways to represent who we, who we are. When you meet somebody, someone says, who are you or what are you (laughs) doing? Says in now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word. And that of course, referring to Cornelius. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, "You went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them." But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners and it came to me. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered, You must not call common. It was every time, and all were drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men stood before the house, where I was uh, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing, Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in the house, who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord and said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If Therefore, God gave them the gift, the same gift as he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Now we jump back in time a little bit um, to just after the time of, of Stephen's death. Now, those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, while they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. Now, just a quick definition here. The Hellenists there is a much broader word than it was back in Acts chapter 6. So it really speaks to Greeks who... Associated with the Jews, uh, so Helen's preaching, Lord Jesus, verse twenty-one, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number of came to the Lord. The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace, of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with all purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed from Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was for a whole year assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. In these days prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus, it was going to be a great thing throughout all the world. It also, happened in the days of Claudius. Caesar. The disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren in Judea. This they also did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Our heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come to your word. We ask, dear God, indeed, that it would not go forth in a fruitless manner but it would achieve its purpose within each of our hearts this morning courageous bless us and guide us in jesus name amen you know, in in this uh episode you know we see here in verse 26 we find here that this is how we come to be called christians this is where that name begins you know, if you were to ask and, and just go out and just randomly maybe ask your friends or people you know at work or even out on the street ask people what is a, a christian you get a very wide answer of what that would be you know before acts chapter 10 and even to some degree now but before acts chapter 10 many would have defined what this christianity was by just being a sect of judaism so it was kind of like being a jew but but different um, for some, you know, some, you know, through the ages as the gospel has spread through the world, particularly into Europe, some identified it as a religion of the white people um, being something that, you know, England and the US didn't and they were Christian. Um, for some, if you ask him what a Christian is, it's a it's a code or it's a ritual to follow you do certain things, you follow a certain plan, you keep rules, you try to be good and, and do good in life. And for some, that's, that's what it is. Some think of Christianity for us and what Christianity is, that it's an archaic and bigoted worldview. The truth is that most people don't really know what a Christian is. They have their own ideas of what they think Christianity is based on how they've interpreted or thought about it. But most people don't know what it really is to be a Christian. For us, it's important because we started talking about identity before. For us, to be a Christian is our identity. It's who we are. It's something to care about deeply. It's something we need to live boldly. To be Christian is an important part of who we are. What does it mean to be a Christian? Simply, Christian means a follower of Christ. That's why they gave it to him. Christianity is a follower of Christ. It was given as a term of derision. Ah, oh, these are the these are the followers of Christ. So it was a term of derision, but it stuck, and it stuck through the ages, and. Rather than than the people of God shunning it and saying, oh, "Ah, it's a term of derision. We don't want." We we grabbed onto it, and we held it close, and we it has become the name which which most clearly describes who we are, and we we we've, we've loved that name, Christian, Christ follower. It defines who we are so so clearly. So from our text this morning, as we look through Acts chapter, 11, let's see three. Truths that are at the core of our idea as Christians. This isn't a a deep or profound thing. It's all right here. And just like last week when we saw Cornelius, it's a it's a simple, it's a straightforward thing, but it takes us back to the fundamentals, the foundations of who we are. What is it to be a Christian? Reminds us of the, the, the great joy we can have to say, I am a Christian, even when it's meant as a term of being derogatory, so firstly, Christians are transformed with christ 's peace. Christians are transformed uh, with the christ 's peace, peace from Christ. We step back a little bit into chapter ten where we had Cornelius. Uh, the message that comes to Cornelius and his family in verse forty three is to him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins. As Peter is recounting that, he says in verse 17 of Acts chapter 11, If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I, that I could withstand God. When they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God also has granted the Gentiles repentance to the one and the hand of the Lord was upon them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. You're know, one of the first things we think of uh, about what defines a Christian is that Christians are forgiven. You know all of those things which speak about what happened here is about the remission of sins, about being forgiven for our sins. You know Luke takes. When they wrote these letters, they had a scroll, which I understand was probably about 10 metres long. So they would have a scroll about 10 metres long. So Luke had 10 metres of scroll to write down this report. And he used precious space in that scroll to record this event three times. Three times he tells us the same thing. It comes twice in chapter 10 and once in chapter 11, where Peter tells us what happened at the house of Cornelius. The details are very similar between Acts chapter ten and Acts chapter eleven, but there's a few differences which come. So in Acts chapter ten, like we said last week, it was very personal. This was about Cornelius and his family finding Jesus Christ as savior. When we come to Acts chapter eleven and you know the first eighteen verses where it recounts that Cornelius's name is not mentioned, Peter describes it without mentioning Cornelius's name because. While in chapter 10, it was about the personal nature of salvation. In chapter 11, it's about the cosmic nature of it. What does this mean for the grander purpose of God? That Cornelius and his family are saved. We see the heart, we see the core of what it is to be a Christian. Being a Christian is about being forgiven. We've recognized our rebellion against God. We've recognized that we need to be forgiven for that rebellion. We admit the evil that is in our heart. We see the evil that is in our heart, and we realize how deeply we need God. Being a Christian isn't isn't extraordinary. Being a Christian is recognizing that despite my rebellion to God, God is willing to forgive me and can forgive me so i believe that jesus died to pay for my sin believe to turn to him and i ask god to forgive me and when i ask god to forgive me pleading on the truth that he has shown me he does and i turn my life let's say turn to the lord i turn my life to follow jesus that's what it is to be a christian I follow Jesus to salvation. I turn from my own way, my own rebellion, my own wickedness and my own evil. And I follow Jesus to salvation. Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11, as we we come here, is showing us that forgiveness is available for all people. For everyone. Not only does it tell us that Christians are forgiven, but we see also here as it's described for us that Christians have life. Verse 18, when they're recounting this and the Jews speak of what they understand, it says at the end of verse 18, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Repentance to life. That repentance as we seek God for forgiveness brings us into life eternal. What is this life? It's not just existence and it's not just to live forever. In John chapter 17, Jesus tells us what it means to have eternal life. He says, And this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It's about being brought into a relationship with the God that we have refused before. The God that I offended, the God that I rebelled against, forgive me and open his heart to me. Accepts me in as one of his above all else. A Christian is one who has followed Jesus to salvation from sin. There is no more condemnation. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Your Christians are transformed with Christ's peace because we have peace from Christ following salvation but we also have peace through christ verse 18 and you know as we look at this really I'm, I'm focusing just a couple of verses to express some of this but verse 18 really is a wonderful verse as the jews respond to what's taking place in gentiles your know, christians have peaceful relationships christians being forgiven and following jesus It becomes our greatest identity. It identifies us not just as a person, but as a people. It doesn't just define me, but it defines who we are as Christians. I love the response that's given here. Peter goes through and he tells them, because they, they say to him, Pete, you ate in a Gentile's house? So that's the first thing they think of, is that he ate with Gentiles. And Peter says, no, let me tell you what happened. And he goes through and he tells them exactly what happened and and how it worked. And their response is, well, if God's forgiven them, we accept them. That's verse 18. Peter tells them and they said, well, we can't argue with that. If God has accepted them and forgiven them, then they're family. That's who they are. They are with us doesn't matter who you are or where you come from if Jesus has forgiven you then you are my brother or my sister no matter where you come from you know, there's a lot of talk these days about different ethnic groups being reconciled together the real answer to that is the gospel that we become it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from or, or what background you have Christ makes us one we follow Christ together Christians have a peaceful relationship we are brought into a relationship with others through Jesus Christ but Christians also pursue peaceful relationships you know this began the reason Acts chapter 11 repeats what happened is because uh, when the Jews first hear about what happened with Peter in Caesarea they are worried and they are concerned and they're a little bit irritated that Peter has been in a Gentile's home and has been eating with them and, and celebrating with them and talking to them. And they have the same issue that Peter had at first with, with this. You remember when Peter first saw the vision and he sees it come down and God says, kill and eat, and Peter says, no, I can't do that. And he wrestles with it and he struggles with it. And they're having the same problems, having the same issues. But, but God... All these years, we've been following your law. We've been doing what you ask. And now you're saying it's different? It's not really different. And they had to figure that out and had to come to grips with that. In their heart, the Jews wanted to accept the Gentiles. They did. That's why they opened their heart to them. But they've got a lot of old habits and a lot of old beliefs they're going to have to deal with and put aside to come to that you remember in, in acts chapter 6 and we saw the struggle that came to the church which had the potential to destroy it between the jews and the hellenists but they worked through it and they figured it out we're at that same point here there's that same difficulty what do the jews do now that that god is showing that he is blessing and his salvation is reaching out to the gentiles what do we what do we do that that the the potential here for disaster again is great But the Jews look and they obey and they they open their heart. They pursue peace. Now, this isn't going to be easy. We're going to see as we progress through the next few chapters uh, of Acts that there are difficulties, that there are trials, that there are upsets. Even Peter stumbles here and has issues between the Jews and the Gentiles. But they pursue peace. They don't just say, well, that's it. The Gentiles, you're out they look to bring reconciliation they are looking for the best in one another this is what it is to be a christian as we are brought into a relationship a peaceful relationship with christ and with others we pursue to have a peaceful relationship with others we look for the best in one another we pursue for peace in all areas christians are transformed with christ's peace and secondly they live in christ's love Again, in these verses we read here, verse 17 says, Now, while Peter wondered within himself... Oh, sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. Verse, verse 10, those verses we read before in verse 17, Peter says, If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? We live in Christ's love and we have a love for Christ. Christ. Because Christians know true love. This is what we've been talking about on Wednesday, about what true love is, about what godly love is. And how our natural selves completely misunderstand what love is. But as Christians, we come to understand what true love is, that God has shown his full love. We looked in 1 John chapter 4 and it says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. When we have followed Christ, we have found and known what genuine, real love is. God's love has reached us. God's love has filled us. And the deeper we plunge into the love of God, the more we know how to love. Verse 10, first John chapter 4 and verse 10 says, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Or verse 19, We love him because he first loved us. Christians know true love, and so Christians follow Christ in this love. How is this love seen? How is the love of God in us? because we love others through this whole episode of chapter 10 and chapter 11 we we see obedience an angel comes to cornelius doesn't send to peter he's going to tell you how to get saved and he does it peter sees a vision from god and god says to him pete go to the gentiles go to caesarea go see cornelius and peter obeys and then we come into chapter 11 and peter relays what took place in in caesarea to the jews and the jews say well we're not going to fight god and they obey and they go and then we come to uh to the the end of chapter 11 and we see we see Barnabas and Barnabas travels out and he, because they hear what's going on to the north of them in, in Antioch, and Barnabas goes and he looks and, and he teaches and he, he guides and he says, this is, we do, and they just keep following, they just keep obeying. We love Christ and because we love Christ, we do what he asks. We obey and we accept who is there struggles with God at first but he obeys and the Jews struggle with God at first but then they obey the heart of one who believes and who has believed God for salvation is the heart of obedience Jesus said it this way he says if you love me keep my commandments if you love me do what I say obey and this is exactly what we see happening here They show the love that God has given to them by obeying Jesus Christ. We love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And then we love others as we love ourselves. Christians follow Christ in loving obedience. We have a love for Christ. And because we love Christ, we will obey Christ. But we also have the love of Christ. We come to the last part of our text in chapter 11. It says in verse 27, And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Christians choose to love. Christians choose to love. This this moment, this whole passage, which deals with the relationship of the Jews to the Gentiles in Christ, it's a very powerful moment for the Jews. They don't grudgingly accept the Gentiles as believers. But verse 18 says they glorified God when Barnabas goes to Antioch to see the Gentiles there, he was glad to see what God had done. Christians choose to love. They give God glory and they choose to love them. They may have had mixed feelings and and difficult, but they chose. I imagine when they heard Peter say, no, look, this is what God has done, and and this is what God is doing. And they go, yeah, well, of course, we'll love them. I'm sure there were were mixed feelings. And there were probably some among them going, well, how is this going to work? How are the Jews and Gentiles going to relate? Are are we going to be? I'm sure there's a whole bunch of things going through their mind. But godly love isn't about how I feel. I choose to show the goodness of God. I choose to give God's goodness and his love to those around me. It's an act of the will. And that's important when difficulties arise. See, because at this moment, when at this moment they chose to love the Gentiles, Later, when there's difficulties between them and there's, there's clashes of culture and there's clashes of ideology, because they chose to love here, when it comes to the difficult time, they're willing to work through it. Show the love for one another. Because Christians choose to love, Christians act in love. This isn't just a one-way street. So, you know, I've talked a lot about how the Jews have chosen to love the Gentiles and how the Jews have accepted the Gentiles in as Christians. But it's not just one-way street where the Jews have to meet the, the Gentiles. We find at the end in those last verses we read that it goes the other way. Remember, it was in Antioch where we first became Christians, called Christians. One of the beauties of the name Christian is it now gives them a new united identity. You're, it's it's no longer seen as just a sect of Judaism. So th- this, this belief, this people of the way, it's not just now these people who follow some Jew and is some sort of part of Judaism, but now they have a name given to them which doesn't just speak of something in Jerusalem, but it speaks of all of them. His name binds them together. We are Christ followers. Jew, Gentile, we are Christian. Now they are Christian. Anyone who gives their life to follow Christ is a Christ follower. There's a famine that comes to the land, and the famine affects a large portion of the Roman Empire. But history tells us that it affected the areas around Jerusalem and Israel especially hard. So they had a particularly difficult time during that famine. And here, the Christians in Antioch, the Gentiles in Antioch, are the ones who show love to their sisters in Jerusalem goes both ways they show love this is exactly what what paul had been speaking about when he wrote in in ephesians chapter 2 it says for he himself that is jesus christ is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. That is, there is no Jew and Gentile, there is Christian. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the entity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off, that's the Gentiles, and to those who were near, that's the Jews. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father doesn't matter where you're from or what you are. There is one. There is Christian. There's not Jew. There's not Gentile. There's not the spirit for the Jews and the spirit to the Gentiles. But in the one spirit, we are a people of God. We are followers of Christ. Christians are transformed with Christ's peace, live in Christ's love, and finally are filled with Christ's joy. Firstly, the joy of seeing Christ's work. Verse 18, we've read a number of times where it says that when the Jews heard, they glorified God. Verse 23, it says, speaking of Barnabas, when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad. He was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. The joy of seeing Christ's work. Barnabas comes to Antioch and he sees the grace of God he recognized God's grace Christians recognize God's grace because we know what it is we've experienced the grace of God Barnabas wasn't sent to Antioch out of jealousy they will go up there and see why are they stealing our thunder why are they taking I think they were sent up there to encourage to build up and he got there and he saw that God was at work and when we recognize God's grace, we rejoice in God's grace. Christians follow Christ in rejoicing for the salvation of others. In Christianity is the Olympics. We talk about unity, but really we just want to be one another. Christianity genuinely seeks Unity. We rejoice in the work of God in this world. We have the joy of seeing Christ's work, and we have the joy of doing Christ's work. Verse 23 tells us about the work of Barnabas in Antioch. When he came, he had seen the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Christians encourage each other. Paul said, follow him as he follows Christ. I think the same is said here of Barnabas. Barnabas is a role model. Barnabas is somebody we should look at and say, there is a man whose life is worth following. As he followed Christ, follower of Christ makes followers of Christ. And that's what Barnabas did. That's what he gave his life to do. Followers of Christ make followers of Christ. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Being a Christian isn't something to be ashamed of. When somebody calls you a Christian and and they they may do it in a derogatory term or or to identify you with something that it isn't, grab hold of that and say, yes, that is who I am. It's not something to hide from. Even today, it's used in derogatory ways, but live it with boldness. Encourage each other to live and to learn the way of christ christians encourage each other and christians strengthen each other you know he had spent time there in bar in antioch it says in verse 23 that they should continue with the lord teaching them what it is to be a christian but then he goes this is this is too much for me your know, Barnabas shows us the real heart of a christian here and he is constantly looking for the good of others and what others need and how to build them up and how to encourage them and he knew that he couldn't do this alone what was going on in Antioch was too big for one man to to do he says I need help I need to be able to teach these people what it is to be a Christian so in one decision he strengthens of the people of God in a magnificently mighty way he makes a decision to leave Antioch and to go to Tarsus and doesn't realize how important a decision that is but he does it because he knows he needs to encourage and strengthen the brethren in Christ. So he goes to find Saul. And while he brings Saul back from Tarsus he does two important things. One, he encourages Saul in the ministry and he strengthens Saul. Many believe, many commentators and historians believe that Saul's time in Tarsus, when he was up there after he fled from Jerusalem, was a particularly difficult time in his life there are a number of places that he writes through the epistles about beatings and sufferings and loss which don't seem to fit anywhere in his travels or anywhere else they seem to fit here in this time of Tarsus so it seems that this time while he was up in Tarsus was a particularly difficult time for him a painful experience for him while he was there He suffered painful persecution and probably, uh, many suggest that Philippians 3 verse 8 suggests this too, probably while he was in Tarsus, he was being rejected by his family. You remember his father was a very strict Pharisee. So he's probably, when he says, I lost all, Tarsus is probably a very difficult place for him where he has lost everything, which may be the reason why, in verse 25, it says that he went to seek Saul. That word seek means to look diligently, that it was hard work. So it seems Saul was not easy to find. So he went looking for him, to find him. The result of his service, the result of bringing Saul back to, to Antioch was one, Saul is strengthened and encouraged in the ministry for what God had called him to do, but also the people of Antioch are strengthened. They spend a year there teaching, encouraging, strengthening. And this church in Antioch becomes one of the strongest churches, becomes a missionary church. It becomes a great church in the history of Christianity. As they seek to do what God wants them to do, by following Christ, they strengthen others to follow Christ. To be a Christian is to follow Christ and to be characterized by love, joy and peace. I am a Christian. That is, I follow Christ above all else in my life. That is who I am. I am a Christian. I have followed him to salvation and forgiveness of sins. I have followed him to a life of peace. I have followed Jesus to a life of love. I have followed Jesus to a life of joy. Don't don't let anyone, don't let this world, don't let anyone intimidate you about your identity. Don't be afraid. People ask you, say, I am a Christian, and let me tell you what that means. Don't be intimidated by it. Joyfully bear the name of Christ. Be thankful for what it means. Follow Christ so that you can lead others to follow Christ. Christ followers make Christ followers. Maybe this morning you've misunderstood what Christian is. Maybe you thought it was doing good or, or, or going to church or keeping rules or any of those things. Today, you've heard it's much more than that. It's so much more rich than that. Christian doesn't mean that we're better than anyone. It means we've realized that we need Jesus. And we will follow Jesus. So we'll seek his forgiveness. And follow him let's pray our Heavenly Father I thank you for these these believers which teach us so so much these these Christians and Lord for a, a name which describes who we are which gives us an identity which doesn't just identify us with you but with your people here right now and not just with your people here right now but it identifies us with the church at Antioch, it identifies us with Saul and with Barnabas and with Peter, because in the one spirit, we are all your people. We are a people who follow you. And so, dear God, let us follow you with confidence and certainty and boldness. And let that confidence that we live with encourage one another to live to follow Christ and to reach out to find others to follow. Christ we thank you dear God that you have given us an identity which is matchless in its wonder glorious in its privileges thank you in Jesus name amen